Welcome to Simon Says Inspire, a podcast about life, leadership, and building legacies. I'm John Simon Sr. And I'm Dina Simon. Our guest today is Jennifer Fleming. Jennifer is a goal-oriented leader and seasoned communicator with a wealth of experience in communications, public relations, technology, and healthcare. Jennifer, welcome to our podcast. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. Yay! Why don't you take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live and and your family, and maybe some interests that you have outside of work? Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm a South Dakota girl, born and bred, have spent most of my life residing in South Dakota, but I've had the opportunity to travel and work all over the country and even into Canada. Haven't made it to Europe yet, but that's on the list. And uh, yeah, I've got an amazing supportive family, all of most of whom are located here as well. But I have four kids. I have three boys who are 19, 18, and 14. And then I have what I call my bonus daughter, who's 34, and she lives in Colorado. Beautiful, beautiful children. They are amazing humans. And I'm, of course, every mother's proud of her children, but you know, I am. I, I am really proud and amazed of the things that they've accomplished in their lifetimes. So, and excited to see the rest of it too. So, yes. Yeah. And then you asked me what I do like for fun or, you know, so I work from home. Thank you, pandemic. But it's actually turned into kind of a, a neat experience for me in that I really control my time. I'm way more productive. I still miss people. I'm very much an extrovert or an ambivert, as I like to call myself. But yeah, for fun, I love to read. And that's something that I've kind of hadn't picked up when I or didn't do much of, you know, when you have little people running around, short people, I call them. So I love to read. I love to cook, although I'm not doing as much of that these days as I used to. But I love, I think food is love and making food for people has just been my love language. Mm-hmm. So, and then I just love to hang with friends. I love to be outdoors. I spend a lot of time walking or sitting in nature in my backyard or wherever I happen to be. So those are some of the things that I love. You've traveled so much. And so coming from Sioux Falls, which isn't the easiest place to like get out of, right? Because you have to connect either in Minneapolis or Chicago, but you you do travel a lot, which I love because I know that's a passion for you. Yeah. And it, you know, it it started young. I think my parents, my dad was a clinic administrator and he would get to go to different medical conventions across the country. And so that was an opportunity because we didn't have a ton of cash or a ton of money. I didn't ever think about it as a kid, but to go and, you know, visit different cities and communities and diversity and just have those experiences. And that's something that was always important to, for my kids. So when I, and I've traveled for my entire career, I worked for GE Healthcare early on, became a clinical trainer. I was training cardiologists all over the country in different hospitals. I, I'm not a cardiologist. I'm not clinically trained. I'm not a cath lab tech, but I figured it out. It was super fun. So I traveled quite a bit there. And then in one of my more recent gigs with Tallgrass Public Relations, I probably traveled 50 to 80% of the time. And I got to experience all of these amazing communities. I was just thinking about it before we talked. And there's probably maybe five states I haven't been in. Wow. Which is pretty, you know, pretty amazing. And I feel very grateful and blessed for that. But yeah, and and my favorite thing to do is when I'm in a city is you got to talk to the locals. You have to find out where's the best place to eat that's not an Applebee's or, you know, whatever. And people will give you different you know things. And some of the best restaurants I've been in have been a result of just, you know, just ask the question, right? Yep. 
Have you gone through the stage yet where, you know, with the with the boys and Samantha, where at one point you weren't known as Jennifer, but you were known as Jonah's mom or Nolan's mom or Ethan's mom. Everywhere you'd go, oh, that's your 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 Nolan's mom. <laughs> yeah, and and being any one of those kids' mom, you know, Samantha, Jonah, Nolan, Ethan, being any called that is like an honor. You know, it's it's yeah. truly. And I'm okay with that. And a lot of the things that my kids have done in life, they take the lead on. They they sure. have initiated, they have inspired, they have, you know, tried to make their own way, but yet they know that mom's still there. So I am like, just like PR, I'm totally fine being in the background. I don't necessarily want to be the one that's being interviewed, although this is really fun. You know, it's, it, that's an okay title. I will take that honor any day of the week. That's yeah. Great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how Nolan, who I've seen his name around for many years, tied with you know Simon Says Give, and maybe a little bit about how he got involved in that, and yeah, you know, the the back the backstory on that. Oh yeah, it's such a fun story. So I met Dina through a mutual friend, Jeffrey Hazlett, at a dinner in the cities, and we kind of got to know each other. And then she was sharing with me that her daughter Mandy, who was like I think eight at the time, was interested in starting this birthdays and and backpacks and you know and was sort of formulating this and so Mandy kicked it off the ground you know kicked it off and they got going and they came down to Sioux Falls to meet with Jeff Hazlett and I to talk about maybe doing some PR and what what can we do to you know really help make an impact here with Simon Says Give and I thought and then we were headed to dinner and I thought well if there's I think Mandy was 10 at the time if there's a 10 year old kid there you know, I can certainly ask, take my kids to dinner. Like I all about giving them experiences, you know? And so I offered it up. Well, my youngest was too small to go, but I offered it to my nine-year-old and my 10-year-old at the time. And my 10-year-old's like, nope, nope, not doing it. He's kind of a quiet kid. And I totally respect that. And my middle was like, yeah, sure. That's Nolan. So we went to the dinner and I remember sitting there and kind of watching the kids throughout the dinner and they didn't say much. They were listening and the adults were talking and, you know, whatnot. And so we got in the car to go home that night and Nolan, little teeny tiny nine-year-old Nolan is sitting in the seat next to me and he said, mom. And I said, yeah, he goes, can I do what Mandy's doing? And I was like, sure, why not? Didn't, you know, think twice about it and whatever. So I talked to Dina and, and we kind of came up with a, a idea and a strategy and the boys and their friends, all the little neighborhood kids and his friends got together and did marketing materials and signs. And they planned this lemonade stand at our driveway. And it was a completely a donation basis. Like it's not a dollar for a glass of lemonade. It's whatever you can give. And in two and a half hours in our driveway, we the kids made $750. Wow. Two and a half hours. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. And so that was the launch. I mean, that was some seed money to get them started, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now, what, 10 years later? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the impact that we've been able to make is just so amazing. And I think the one, not there's so many blessings. I mean, that became right. like, instead of our kids doing sports or doing, you know, what, and they did some of that stuff too, but this was really like a family activity that we could do together. Mm -hmm. And we also made all these great friendships. We had a kid board of ten, up to 10 kids at a time. We had mentors. We had our adult board. That was such an insightful. I mean, the kids learned so much. Will you share the Caps versus Kids event that you guys did? Yeah. 
So part of the, the fun of this was that letting the kids ideate and kind of figure out. And so Nolan came up with the concept of cops versus kids. And I had made friends with an amazing police officer in Sioux Falls who's now retired, but Jamie Butine. And he was always very supportive of it. He was a mentor for all my boys, particularly Ethan, because Ethan wanted to be in law enforcement when he was small. And we talked about it. We figured out a plan. We actually had highway patrol guys. I mean, our our driveway at one point was full of cop cars and highway patrol cars. And I'm sure the neighbors thought we were crazy. But they all sat around our dining room table and we formulated this fundraising event and put a plan together. And gosh, I can't remember how many years we did it. And then the pandemic sort of skewed that. I feel like maybe four. I feel like three or four. I think you're right. And it was just, we'd have bouncy houses and people donate things and food and a magician, Travis Nye, who would come in, you know, every year. And then the law enforcement officers would interact with the kiddos, games, just, and they could explore their vehicles and learn about, you know, fire trucks and police vehicles. So it was a really amazing experience. And that was all the brainchild of that kid board. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Super fun. Well, I'm glad it was such a success. Yeah. I'm sure the kids worked very hard to make it that way. They did. They worked it. I mean, we went down that one year, but they all had jobs. I mean, there were certainly adults around to help, but those kids all knew what their roles were and they were actively engaged in the facilitation of the entire event. It was amazing and a great fundraiser. And yes, very fun. Share with us. So talk to us about what you're doing in work these days. Sure. Yeah. As I mentioned, I work from home. I have been off and on for several years, a consultant in marketing and public relations. So I have a very good friend and mentor who I was sitting across the table and I, it's not a company I'm going to mention and it's not any of the ones I have mentioned, but I was working in a, in an organization and was having a lot of issues with, you know, management and just not being completely happy. And he looked at me and he goes, you can do this on your own this is completely in your wheelhouse. You know what you're doing. And that for me has been probably the best mix, I think, of work-life balance and kind of figuring out my own path. And then truly working with people, clients, teams that I enjoy. And I think, John, you can probably attest to this. Don't you just get to a point in your life where you're like, I don't have to work with people I don't like anymore. That I, It's not necessary. Like I can get along with pretty much anybody but sometimes you just have to let it go. <laughs> I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. So I have clients, again, all over the country, and, and it's all been all about the relationships that I've made throughout my career and my lifetime. And I get to work with, I just worked with Freeman, the, the largest global event production company. They do shows like, if you're in the tech world, CES and South by Southwest. They were an amazing client. And then I've worked with small startups. I mean, I work with people who want to be public speakers and get them out there and help them elevate their brand and their presence. So I get to do a lot of interesting, varied things and no two days are alike, which I love. A lot of people outside of the area where I live, they they don't know much about South by Southwest because it's so big in Austin. And it's really a game changer down there for every year they go through that. And it's really inspired a lot of people to do a lot of things. Yeah. 
share some of the spirits. Can you share some of that fun work that you've done in the last well, year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And again, it's about relationships. Two friends of mine that I went to high school with, you're both amazing. But we had stayed connected and I had worked with him on a tech startup in, gosh, probably 10 years ago or so. And then had an opportunity to work on, they they import spirits from all over the world, but primarily Mexico and tequilas, mezcals, just different types of spirits brands. They do a couple bourbons. And so I, and I'd never, well, I'd done a rum once before many years ago, but it's been so fun to work on those things and how much people love tequila and love their spirits. And it's all craft and it's all family owned. And so they work with, you know, four generations of distillers in Mexico and they have such respect for the land and the people and the process and the families that that has been just a a lovely experience to have. Yeah, super fun. And tequila is such a big thing. Like I'm not a big tequila drinker, but I need to learn how to be because it is like a craft. It's similar to like a whiskey or a bourbon. Those who drink it really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything in moderation, right? Yes. Yes. But I have learned a lot about, you know, like a lot of people's experience with tequila is like, oh yeah, it's the worm at the bottom of the bottle and it's Jose Cuervo. And yeah, it's not that if it's it's good, if it's additive free, if it's produced well, you know, all of those things, it's, you actually sip it. You don't put it in a, you can put it in a margarita and I welcome you to do whatever I want to do. Right. But, but, and I'm not a, you know, I've never been like a bourbon girl or anything like that, but this is, I truly enjoy it. And you know me, I'm more of a, you know, wine drinker or, or, so it's, it's opened a whole new sort of world and hobby for me. Fun. I did want to ask a, a question, and I don't know if you, I, and I think this happened probably a couple of years ago. It, it was on the news, and it was the kind of the battle between North Dakota and South Dakota. And the North, the North wanted to just make their name Dakota, and then the South just being South Dakota because the, the negative connotation about being that far north, it must be really cold and bitter up there and everything. Did anything ever come out of that? That is a great question, and I don't, I, I don't believe so. From I mean, because we haven't changed the flag as far as I know. <laughs> but it is interesting, and I don't know if this is just a Midwest thing. Maybe you guys could tell me. Maybe Texas or Minnesota, like, you know, we make fun of people in Iowa. We make jokes about, you know, if you fail your driver's test, what do you get? You get blue plates, you know. And and there's all mm-hmm. kinds of rivalry jokes between the states. I love my friends in North Dakota. Don't get me wrong. It is colder there. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think, gal, it's, it's, you know, if you can have a little fun with it, that's great. But, you know, we're all the, we're all the same people, right? Well, yeah. And I thought the, the, the neat part of it was they got a lot of free publicity because it made the evening news quite a few times, uh, you know, when they were, when they were talking about it. So if nothing, you know, that's free, free media. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. It's the fun stuff that you can sort of, you know, be contrarian. I mean, that's what resonates in PR is is you got to have a compelling story. Absolutely. Something that people are interested in or that is just kind of fun and uplifting. So, yeah, definitely. Well, I, yeah. I noticed in reading some of the information on you, you've, you've networked with quite a bit in the media, especially with uh, MSNBC and Fox and the Wall Street Journal. So that's a really good background that you have there. Yeah, I, 
I'm just, well, for those who are listening, I'm I'm a redhead. So I'm a little fiery and spicy, but it takes a lot for me to get there. But I'm also competitive. And I think, and that's just my nature and my drive. So it was always about the win. Like, you know, when you're going in for a client, like I feel like I'm part of their team and their family and their success is my success. And those big wins are not, they don't just fall out of the sky. <laughs> you know, they need to be a lot of hard work and a lot of relationship building and a lot of creativity to craft a compelling story that you, you know, not everybody's ever going to get in the New York Times. It's just, it doesn't happen. But if you can get those big wins for your client, there's nothing more satisfying to me than that. Yeah. And you really earn your way to, through those too, you know, based on your knowledge and, and really what the client's looking to have done too. Yeah. And I, you know, there were several journalists that I would work with and it would just be a periodic pick up the phone and call them and just say, hey, what are you working on this week? What can I help you with? Not here's my client, here's my client, here's my client. And that led to, I think, more successes and having that, hey, I've got this idea. What do you think of it? And making it more a collaboration than a pitch. Yeah, totally. Because you're all about relationship building. So you weren't just doing a one and done. You would stay connected and find ways to collaborate with people. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that we've known each other for it's probably been 12, 13 years almost now. Mm-hmm. John Definitely. was asking. And so our ability, certainly we had the good fortune of working together with Simon Says Give for many years, but we've collaborated in in life and in business. And and it's just, yeah, it's about just keeping those relationships uh, that are important and figuring out ways to work together. So, yeah, so blessed. And I think, you know, I just had a conversation with somebody the other day and I was in Chicago and met with a a fellow tequila connoisseur who's kind of an influencer in the industry. And he was the most gracious, kind, like, you know, spending time with me, giving me his thoughts. Everything he does is about philanthropy. And it was just, it was really meaningful. And I said, and I connected him to somebody else I knew in Chicago that is kicking off something. And I said, you know what, Lou, I said, there's nothing in it for me, but I think this would be really cool. And I think the impact that it can have would be so important for what you're doing for kids and what this person is doing for kids. And so that was, that's the stuff I like to do because you never know when it's going to come back and it comes back tenfold most times. It has to be really rewarding for you working with a startup. Mm. So watch them get it off the ground and then see two or three years later what they've done based on some of the the help that you gave them through media. Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, I, I've been an entrepreneur in my own life. So I think I have a unique understanding of what it's like to run your own business and to start something from scratch and to not sleep at night because you're not sure if you can make payroll and all of those pieces. And then, you know, structuring like your marketing, your PR, your operations, your financial team, like they need to get everybody around them who is stronger than they are in whatever skill set they don't have. They need those people. So that's, it's fun. I mentioned last week in the podcast that there's a big difference when you're an entrepreneur, when you're signing the front of the paycheck and not the back of the paycheck. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all through my life, I signed the back of the paycheck. So I, I don't have the entrepreneurial spirit. But when you do, it's it's really has to be rewarding. And, you know, to know that whatever you do, you're helping other people live their life and you know, help pay their bills. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think too, you know, there is no, dis- yeah, you're right. There's never going to be a distinction between when you're writing the check and you're signing the back of the check. But I also think too, there have been some pretty amazing people that I have worked with over the years who weren't just signing the back of a paycheck, who were in and committed and wanted to grow and wanted to learn. And I have loved and cherished working with those kinds of people. They're the kind you want to hire. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yes, yes. So we've talked about family. We've talked about travel, some of your passions, a little bit about your business. Is there anything else about like current business or, you know, you you have a heart for philanthropy yourself? I, um, yeah. I, you know, Simon says give. Nolan has, we've now retired Nolan's chapter and Nolan's on to the next chapter of his life, which is going to college. He's studying accounting and business. And so that that's kind of our next step. But I... That experience, and not only that, but I my background was in psychology and education, and I have always loved working with kids. I think if you can make an impact and you can make it early, that is so critical to so many things in life for those kiddos and for our society and culture. So one of the, I guess, passion projects that I've sort of picked up now in lieu of Simon Says, but I'll still always be involved in Simon Says given any capacity yes. in any yes. way. We, I, we know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's a a really fun project. It's called The Porter Project. And it's a book series for kiddos. Starts about the, you know, kindergarten up to fourth grade level. And it's all based around a little girl named Porter who's hoarding candy in her bedroom. And the first book in the series, she's got to clean her ransacked room and she's got to find five manic monkeys and six naughty handkerchiefs and all of this. And I was blessed, again, the power of those relationships to be introduced to a fellow South Dakotan who also produced a little movie called Napoleon Dynamite, if you've seen that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, Sean Cobell is based in Deadwood, South Dakota, and the illustrator, whose daughter is is what the books are based on, is in Bridgewater. And so I had the pleasure to connect with them and to be engaged and involved in helping them to find foundation partners to get the books into the hands of every little kiddo in kindergarten, first through fourth grade across the country. So it's a new fun challenge. I'm learning a ton. I'm so happy to be able to make an impact in the lives of kiddos and early literacy. And I just keep talking to people about it. And you wouldn't believe the, the context and the connections and the things that are coming in. It's just like, you know, it, it's overwhelming to me and it makes me so grateful but at the same time, we're doing something that's, you know, is so impactful too. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's my latest and greatest uh, among other things, but it's been fun to do that. That's sort of my continued delve into philanthropy and giving back. It kind of reminds you a little bit of the story about Amy Groves and what she has done with giving the books to the uh, young ones at school so that they can read all the stories about the Grove. Yes. And Amy is just a dear soul. We have a birthday that's our birthdays are one day apart. So Amy's always kind of been my special birthday sister. And she's just a beautiful, kind soul. And she's so talented. I mean, those books are amazing. And it has been really fun to see her thrive and and the love that she has for that project. It's amazing. Yeah. And to get get the books in the hands of all those children. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. amazing. Yes. And she's, I haven't talked to her like today or anything, but on November 1st is typically the launch of the book. So her third book should be be ready for us in just a few weeks. 
yeah, I saw she posted today and said, the next book's coming and it's coming out in the winter. So yeah, that's exciting. I can't wait to read it. I know. Yes. So anything on leadership? So when you think about you from a leadership perspective, leadership that you've had, how you hope people show up as a leader, uh, anything that you'd want to talk about from a leadership perspective? Oh my gosh. How long do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, I think, you know, I have had some amazing leaders in my life and people who are still friends and mentors and I think you can learn something from anyone. It doesn't just have to be a leader, you know, and I try to go through every day from that perspective. Like, why is this person in my life? What are they meant to teach me? What can I learn from them? Good, bad, and ugly. I mean, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, and I believe in the power of mentorship. I think that's so important. I was able to be part of a program in South Dakota through MB, which is a women's leadership kind of organization. And they pair we'll just call us seasoned professionals (laughs) with younger women in their careers. And that was a really wonderful program. And I learned as much from her as she, I hope she learned from me. And she was going through a major career transition and wasn't sure what she wanted to do. And we had tears together. We had celebrations together. We had drinks together, you know, and that was, it was, it was a learning experience for me, but I have been really lucky to work with amazing leaders and amazing clients where I learned so much. And I think, you know, kind of the the people that I admire most are the ones that live to their core values. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being authentic, being trustworthy, being energetic, being positive, being moment momentful. Is that a word? I don't know. We just made up a word. We just made it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> being a being a doer and and then also being able to embrace and understand and navigate change with with positivity. I think Yeah. So Jen, you were just with me recently and we talked about you're such an amazing ideator. Like you help people just ideate, right? You're such a great, you're so good at that. Like here's a situation, here's a problem. How do we ideate and solve? But one of the things that I just recognized in having this conversation with you is you're such a, you're such a learner. Right. So just like learn, like what you just said, anybody that's with you in a day, you know, what can I learn from this? How can I take away something from this? So that goes back to, you know, I texted you yesterday asking you a silly question that I could have Googled myself, but you do, you are, you're such a, you know, you want to know things, you want to investigate things and such a learner. So I just put that all together. Well, thank you for that. And and I will say like, you know, what are the things I love in my career and in, in life is I love, I, I actually love ideating. Like my little creative bubbles are, you know, popping all over my head. And I used to tell my teams, we'd sit on, you know, a call and I'd be like, okay, start writing this down because once it comes out of my mouth, it's gone. But there's all these ideas constantly circulating. And it's not just creative problem solving. It's it's just being creative in general. Like I feel lucky to have that. Now, if we were talking about math, that would be a whole nother story. But I've also had to challenge myself to figure out financial spreadsheets and quick book. You know, like those are the things I don't like to do. And I do have an amazing bookkeeper. Thank you, Jackie, for taking care of me. But yeah, you hire people that are stronger than you, you know, and and don't have that or that have the skill set you don't. But I think also in the, you know, kind of creative ideation is there's something rewarding in being able to help people through and find a solution to a problem. I'll tell you a short, quick story. 
or it might not be short and quick knowing me, but <laughs> I had an employee and I absolutely adored this woman. She was a little bit timid, didn't trust herself, didn't think she could do certain things. And I just watched her blossom literally over the course of us working together. And we would do team meetings and trainings and all of these things. And it was a very small business. And I would always say, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. And I got out of the car one day, I'm in the parking lot right outside the store. I'm walking in, I see her coming across the lot and she turns around and she walks away. And I said, what's going on? Like, why did you, you know, go the other direction? And she said, I realized I was bringing you a problem, but I wasn't bringing you a solution. I'll be back to you when I can. I love it. Uh, I love it. Talk about self-leadership, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and this woman is going to be, she is amazing. She just wasn't fully recognizing how amazing she was. Right. And she did. And I just, and I still know her and I still love to watch her grow and what she's doing and both personally and professionally. So that's super, that, that drives me. <laughs> well, and it sounds like for not only friends, but for your clients and everything, you're a great sounding board, you know, give you uh, situation. And like, like you say, they'll come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution, and we'll talk about it. And we yeah. may tweak it a little bit, but the fact of it is, if I have to answer it for you, I really don't need to have you around very much. I, you know, I, I need people to come to me with, with solutions. I had a boss that actually said those exact words to me one day. If I, I used it many a times with the people that work for me. <laughs> if I have to answer it for you, why do I need you? Yeah, that's cool. exactly yeah. my philosophy. Yeah, let's talk about it now. You know, the fact of it is, you know, when you're the boss, you want to hear people's you know solutions to it. Then you may tweak it a little bit, but really, it's their responsibility to come up with the uh, solutions to uh, issues and problems that they may have. And normally, they're so much closer to it. They, you know, they just do need that help to say, you know what to do, or let's, you know, talk it through. But you've got all this information that you're bringing to the table, and you know how to solve this. And and some people are afraid to make a decision sometimes. Yeah, yeah. some uh, people are. Well, and fear is the biggest obstacle to everything in our life. Fear stops us from doing the thing we know we need to do. Fear stops us from, you know, <laughs> building that relationship or taking that job. And it's fear of failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm actually reading a really great book right now, and it's called, oh gosh, it's not handy, but it's all about fear. And this woman who was a graduate student and working full-time wrote down a hundred fears, a hundred. And every morning while she's going to working full-time and going to graduate school, every morning she would carve out time to knock out one of those fears. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. And she said part of it in the book, and I believe she... She lives in New York, but I believe she was from Venezuela. I'll we can put it in the show notes, but sure, yeah. Um, but there's a whole section in there that says instead of saying what's the um, worst thing that can happen, reframe it and say what's the best thing that can happen. Yeah, you know they they often they often say that the two greatest fears people have are number one public speaking, and 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 number two dying, and public speaking is a worse fear for a lot of people than dying someday. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, share with me the book and then we'll put it in the show notes. I love it. Yeah, definitely. 
And I think that's, you talked about learning earlier too, always being curious. And I think that's just such an innate part of human, you know, beings to, to, you know, explore and discover and, you know, you know, and a lot of the best leaders that I have worked with are, they never stop learning. Right. Stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you have to take the time for it, right? So some people, if you're just so heads down and all you're doing is doing and you don't take that time to reflect or to go learn something new, I mean, I think that 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 is super hard. So that's one thing I think you've done just a great job at as, as far as being really mindful of. Well, thank you. And I think that didn't always come easy to me. Right. You know, when you're a working mom with short people, and you're trying to juggle travel and multiple businesses and, you know, play dates and birthday parties and all that kind of stuff. You don't have a lot of time for self-care. And I think at one point I just realized that I was depleted. I had lost 30 pounds. My hair was falling out. I was so stressed. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me, and that's been a few years, maybe three, four it's taken me that long to kind of come back into myself. And then when I realized like, I can still be productive. I don't have to, I I put so much pressure on myself. Yeah. That was so unfair. And that was so unkind to me. And so it's taken me a lot to figure out like, you know what, I can get up every morning and I can go for a walk with my dog and I don't have to feel bad about it or guilty about it. I'm going to get more done if I get that walk in with, you know, doggo than if I, you know, sit down and start slamming keys on the computer. So, or, you know, I want to read that book. I'm going to sit down and read that book because I'll be a better person and I'll feel lighter. And I, it just, it, it it's a huge thing. So anybody listening, self-care, yeah. do one thing today for you, do one thing for your business, do one thing for your family. And that's all you got to get done today. Mm-hmm. Care yeah. about yourself as much as you care about everybody else. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Love that. No, thank you for that. Okay, Jen, anything else that you wanted our podcast audience to know about you? Oh, gosh. It's really hard to talk about yourself. And it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I, like I said earlier, especially when you're in PR and you're used to being the woman behind the camera, you know, adjusting people's ties and <laughs> making yep. sure they say the right thing and don't say the wrong thing. Yeah. I, you know, I just, I think the world right now is in a kind of a weird place. We all know it. We all recognize it. So you know what? Go do something for you today and go like be kind to someone else because you don't know what somebody else is going through. You just don't. And if you can operate with that sort of, my glass isn't half full, my glass is overflowing, people get it and they see it. And that's what's going to make a change in the world. And I, I firmly believe that. Yep. Give back. We all love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. You know, I love you. You're a dear friend. And just appreciate that you were wanting to be on our podcast. Well, I love you too. And John, I told you earlier, I love your family, especially Dina. I call her my my sister by choice. And it's been, you just, you never know who you're going to run into. And it might be somebody at the grocery store tonight. And it, it just take it all in and just keep doing what you're doing. Sounds wonderful. (laughs) I want to thank my good friend, Jen Fleming, for being on the podcast with us. Her and her son, Nolan, and their entire family were engaged for about seven years in Sioux Falls with Simon Says Give. 
and made just a tremendous impact in that community and so fun to work with them all those years. And I love her as a dear friend. She is a rock star PR marketing strategy person. And so we'll make sure in the show notes, you know how to get in touch with her if you have things that you would need to work on with her. And as always, I thank my father-in-law, John Simon, for partnering with me on the podcast. And thank you all for tuning in. And until next time.